All right, folks, welcome to another episode of High Resolution Life. And my guest here is a special guest because he's already tolerated me being a slightly unhinged psycho person. And he's still here. And this was early on. So this is Kevo Can't Dance. Hi. Hi. I'm waiting for people to applaud, and I hear nothing, and all I hear is dogs barking. People of Altoona, I think their hobby is adopting dogs and just letting them outside to bark. I think you have a dog fighting ring on this corner. <gasps> Ooh, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. I better go, not go outside smelling too much like liver. They'll just, like, break free. You won't stand a chance. I won't. <laughs> and I, got, I got just enough meat on me that it'll be worth it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're just jumping you right into the chaos here, folks. So he's been kind enough to come here all the way from... Huntington? Are you in? Yep. You're in Huntington. Is it Huntington or Huntington? D O N. It's D O N. So do we D-O-N's say? D O N's in California. I okay. Wish I was there. So. You wish you wish you were in California. <laughs> but he's here with his guitar. He plays guitar. I got lots of guitarists that are joining us on the podcast. So, do you want to just jump right into it with guitar? Yeah, because if I keep holding this, I'm just gonna keep going like this. <laughs> while you're trying to talk. I don't care. No, I'm just <laughs> it's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but punk. All right, yeah, cool. I'll play a song. This is All like right. a, this is a new song, and I just it just got released on uh, um, Dad Sneeze Records, mm-hmm. which is a small label I'm part of, and it's called Many Many Dreadfuls. Okay. They say bad days coming threes. It's here and now, you and me. Let's take the long way home We can wash the hair Let's play on shadows This is not a phase Just hear my ringing ears And broken guitar strings Dreadful, dreadful I know I gotta let I need to find the crossroads to sell my soul Dreadful, dreadful In case I don't have one I wonder if they'd settle for A desperate folks on She says, cold, can I wear your jacket With the mischief from patches Torn up a sleeve, yeah Screaming sickness to the unknown With her feet hanging out the window I said a V This is not a phase Just in my constant fear Of failing Dreadful, dreadful I know I gotta live I need to find the crossroads to sell my soul Dreadful, dreadful In case I don't have one I wonder if they'd settle for The desperate folks I want Should I speed up, break? 
wires here all right there we go cool sounded awesome oh, thank thanks. you i appreciate it yeah thank you so much for coming up from huntingdon and sharing your talents with us and i wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about the punk world because i was over in the classical and the opera world and the goody two-shoes land meanwhile you were traversing the lands of punk all right so where did it all begin or like where's your Where's your beginnings in all of this? Um... So to do that, I have to go all the way back to my first like inkling of music. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I used that word right. Inkling. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> all, right. all right. So it was when my uh, uh, the first time I knew I fell in love with music. It wasn't even directly punk rock. So was it opera? No, it was no, like Mo- Motown soul music. I love opera. Though. Nice. Opera, opera makes me cry. So <laughs> I remember this. My dad. He used to put on like cassette tapes like BB King live at Cook County Jail. Um, nice. Jonas Joplin, you know all the good stuff. But um, this one in particular, um, it was this little chubby guy played piano and he sang really cool like Motown songs. His name's Fats Domino. Oh yeah. So my dad used to play that over and over again on like cassette tapes, and uh, so I remember him cut chopping wood. And this dude, my dad was like a villain from the Lorax. This guy was cutting down trees like all the time, <laughs> and like. Really unnecessary, actually. Did but you I... speak for the trees then? <laughs> Pretty much, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, what? he was just chopping down trees every day. That was his thing, even when we didn't need him to. I think that that was his hobby. Wow. So we'd be chopping down trees and listening to awesome music. <laughs> so I, I just remember, like, hanging out with him and then, like, hearing, like, You make me cry when you say goodbye. Ain't <laughs> that is... a shame? Why he's chopping down these trees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, <laughs> I was like... I don't know what this is, but I feel like it's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. You had it that early? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like six or seven years old. I just fell in love with music from that point. And I, I was huge into history and, and literature. So, you know, mm-hmm. I spent, I didn't have many friends when I was real little. So, like, my friends were books and I'd go to the library and I'd find books on, you know, like. That's better than an imaginary friend. Yeah, I had a couple of those too. Yeah, Yeah, me too. (laughs) But like, I would, um, I would go to the library and I would uh, look up books on music. You know, I'd start with like the basic ones. You know, the Beatles, Elvis, um, Patsy Cline, that kind of stuff. Nice. You know, and then I discovered the Ramones when I was about ten years old. Okay, that's where the punk journey begins, right? Yeah, about ten years old. Yes. That's when I discovered the Ramones. Yeah. And I believe it was a cousin or one of my uncles. they had uh, an original Ramones record, and it was a uh, Road yeah. to Ruin. And I just heard like the three chord formula that they had. It was so simple, but it had so much energy that it was complex in a way. And, and like I always say about the Ramones, like 
anyone can play a Ramones song, but no one could play it like the Ramones did. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, it was just I love the, the Ramones. Oh, I do too. I, I could listen <laughs> to them all the time. And, and and they were a wild band because like they could do a whole set at CBGBs in like twenty minutes, and like that was their thing. Yeah. And, and like they they would leave you wanting more. That, that that's what I love about punk rock too. It's the attitude. And when you leave one of those shows, like you kind of wish you were still there for another hour or two, even though you're completely drained of anything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of like how the beginnings of punk rock. And I was like, well, I want to be part of this, so I need to learn the instruments. And I need to learn how to do this. So yeah, I, I lived in like the middle of nowhere. Um, like we moved here from Philly, but like you know, when I was little, uh, we moved to we moved like in the backwoods of Huntington. Um, I didn't have a neighbor for like three miles. Oh my god, what kind of what kind of <laughs> contrast is that? Because I used to go out with a guy who was from Coatesville. Yeah, and he used to act like he was big city. And then one day I fact checked him. I was like. Your city only has 10,000 people? And I said, and it's 40,000 Altoona. I'm like, why do you act like you're a Philly boy? Because I'd been to that suburb. Yeah. Have you, did you ever traipse around Coatesville? Yeah, yeah. And like, Why do you act like – he was acting like it was Philly. I'm like, you act like you grew up in the projects, homie. Like, I know. People like from all around the They're all like, suburbs. I'm Philly. Yeah, it's all I'm fi- like, it's, all it's Philly. not Philly. It's a redneck suburb. I, now, I know people that are like close to Johnstown. They're like, yeah, Pittsburgh. No, it's no, 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 no. I like, I don't try to snow people. I'm like, the closest thing people don't always know Altoona, but I at least try to say, yeah, okay. If, do you know where Penn State is? Yeah, I'm like 40 minutes away from there. Oh, it's the middle of nowhere. I'm like, well, not quite as the middle of nowhere as some places, but yeah. yeah. I don't hear banjos in the distance. I only hear barking dogs. I'm going to stay bitter about this all evening. <laughs> but it stopped. Do you hear that? Yeah, dog opera. Do you hear that? Exactly. Nothing. The silence is pretty anyway so continue so how in the world so like was it a work thing or just like you, your family was tired of that city life how did that how would how did um, that feel going from philly to there i, I it felt weird in fact i had a real i have a really scary kind of embarrassing story about when i first moved up here i thought all animals were tame and so including like wild animals so and this is crazy i have like a phobia to this day this is not a made-up story so there was a raccoon in the trash can. Um, Those things are vicious. I tried to pick it up because I thought they were all like tame, you know. And so uh, here I am, I'm you know like seven or eight years old, and I try to pick up this raccoon out of this trash can at nighttime because I wanted to bring it in the house to show my mom. I'm like, you know, I, I want this to be my new pet. I had a name for it. I think I was going to call it James. And the thing attacked me, of course, and I had to get like rabies shots and the whole deal. But what I do remember... Did it bite you? Yeah, like, destroyed it bite you? me. Uh, my legs have little little raccoon marks, like my ankles, oh. <laughs> like, all over them. Yeah. What did your mom say? Like, how did you... Nobody warned you about, like, I, raccoons? She, she heard me screaming, and she came outside, and she literally picked it up by the head, and I remember this, and she just, like, punched it in the face like a bar fight. That's an Italian mom. Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, four foot nine, but, like, she's she's pretty badass. She just punched it, and it didn't even, like, it was probably trying yeah. to claw to get to her. I feel like it was dead <laughs> after that. She gave it one of those, uh, she gave it one of those Thor punches. Now, does she have one of those Italian meat hook hands? Like, my grandpa yeah, had she them. Yeah, got, she got them sausage fingers. Yes, and that was my grandpa. And she has all her fingers, too, so yeah, she pretty oh. much brass knuckled it. Yeah. <laughs> what a badass! She is, too. Holy this, crap, that's amazing. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so I have a phobia of raccoons. That's a little, that's a little side journey there. <laughs> I probably shouldn't tell you if my friends say I'm a raccoon is my spirit animal. Yeah. Does it all start to make sense? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the feistiness, yeah. So when I, when I see, when a guy tried to pick me up, did I not go full raccoon like that one did you? Yeah, I totally went full raccoon. 
the picture right up out of the trash can. <laughs> That's me! Uh, I'm an Altoona trash rat! What do you garden, expect? The, you're the garden in the dumpster fire. Okay, that's fair enough, but I'm okay with being a trash panda. Yeah. <laughs> I can go to zero to Scrappy in two seconds or less. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. So what are, okay, so uh, what continued your journey into punk land? And it doesn't even have to just be punk, but just like your um, journey into music. And so so I kind of like drifted away from that for a while too. Like, so I would say between 10 and 12 years old, like I was like the Jinko kid with the frosted tip hair and listening oh. to Corn and Limp Biscuit. And I used to listen to them, like, all the time and, like, sing their lyrics on the bus. I was going to be the next Fred Durst. <laughs> and I had this buddy that was, like, into, like, the the next generation of punk after Ramones, you know, like uh, Operation Ivy, Minor Threat, Black yeah. Flag, like that kind of stuff. And he gave me this mixtape. And I think the mixtape was the part that really changed my life. I would listen to this mixtape front and back. I miss mixtapes, by the way. Right. That's how I used to get girls back in junior high. Like, I'd make them the best mixtapes. And it go. would be it would be all over the place. Like I'd have these like energetic punk songs, and right in the middle, I'd have like a, a love song. I'd Aww. even throw in like a Backstreet Boys song. So you could you could be a professional playlister. <laughs> yeah, I could create the vibes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this mixtape changed my life. I listened to it front and back, front and back, and 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 I still really didn't have many friends because I I was yeah. just I knew I was different than a lot of the redneck kids in school. Oh, and um, yeah, so I listened to that front and back until that thing wouldn't play anymore. And then I was like, I got to buy a guitar. So, you know, I'm 13, 12, yeah. 13 years old. I bought a guitar and, you know, I automatically thought I was going to be able to just be a guitar god. And yeah. Like, I was, it took me forever to even make like a, a, a tonable noise out of it. It took me like months to learn how to tune the thing. I didn't have lessons or anything. Yeah. So I would just pretty much stand in front of a mirror and just do the Johnny Ramone, like three chord thing like this. And I'm, <laughs> like, I'm already there. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I eventually learned how to play it. I got into a band. My first band, I, I was like 14 years old. Um, it was it was just, you know, just screaming in a microphone with my friends. You know, that was pretty fun. Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> I always say I'm a loud sneezer because my dad didn't give me enough attention. They make fun of me at work because That's not I shake true. the walls. You t- you're a loud sneezer too? I'm that guy. Yeah, you're that guy? I'm yeah. that girl. I wish I could turn my nose down. Me too. Why is it, like, my cat, I don't think he's here. But if he would have been, he freaks out and like runs out the room as soon as he hears the <gasps> when he knows I'm gonna sneeze because it's too Is loud that for Maisel? him. Oh yeah, that's Midge. How are those dogs still going? Okay. They're serenading you. <laughs> yeah. So what you guys are wondering what he's mentioning? It's Midge on my iPhone wallpaper. Sorry, I can't concentrate on one thing at a time. I'm just all over the place. It's me. That's why we get along. Rock and roll. Rock, rock and roll. <laughs> Is that it? Or so is it? When was your when was your first band? Like, uh, I mean, did you ever have like? I was like fourteen as a kid, and we tried to do some kind of pop band, and it was just a fun thing we did at a sleepover, and that was it. We disbanded in like four hours. So that's when like Michelle Branch was like doing her thing. Oh right? yeah, like two thousand four. That's one of my guilty pleasure artists. I like Michelle Branch. I like Nora Jones. If I just breathe every little piece of me, yeah. That's part of my like sad Spotify playlist. Uh, you're sad? But... Yeah, it's like a breakup sad playlist. Oh, yeah. Which I've been listening to a lot lately. Another story. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, so then I got into serious bands. I, I got into the emo phase. Okay. When I was, like, 15, 16, you know. I painted my nails. I wore eyeliner. I, I wore really tight pants, you know. <laughs> I was skinny back then. I looked good. 
And so, yeah, I had the hair all brushed out like this, and I was, you know, singing. Nice. Was it the, you had the the side hair thing? Yeah, yeah I had the side hair, hair thing, yeah. Oh, nice. It was, it was really nice. How were those times? That was not something I was part of. Uh, well, in Altoona, they used to have this uh, place called Jaggard. <gasps> I remember the stories. And, um. You probably hung out with one of my exes there. They had, uh, what was his name? Was he in the well, band? <laughs> wait, I'll mute, I'll mute myself. <laughs> You'll mute yourself. Oh, that name sounds so familiar. That means I'm gonna look. It up. <laughs> oh, says it up. It's okay. Oh, shoot. Can you that out? I don't know. No, how it's to okay. I don't know how to podcast. No, it's okay. No, it's fine. That's what makes it funny. No, I mean he was part of that whole emo yeah, scene too, yeah. and it's. I like, saw a lot of cool bands there, and then yeah. uh, I played a I played a couple shows there. That would have been like the tail end right before I graduated. Yeah. Finally getting. Like, Sorry, I got to remember the timestamp so it doesn't become a net crops on all Rex's podcast. <laughs> I would I would say like the turning point in my in my in my music career though was when I met Jesse uh, Query, who's mm-hmm. also known as Jesse and the Ghost. Jesse and the Ghost. And this would have been like right after we were both done college. Um, he moved back into town, and we started this like acoustic punk duo. It was called Pitfall Combat, and it started getting a lot of like local attention. We were playing like shows. Uh, a lot of shows in Huntington. Ooh. We were playing like frat houses. Uh, <laughs> we were playing like any weird place, basements that would like take us. And we were just like, our. I felt like our goal really was like high energy. We were a high energy duo, and we could match like the energy of Jesse. Like, the still has a ton of energy bands. when he's yeah, performing. Yeah. You Je- do too. When Jesse, when Jesse plays, he he like he has the energy of a full band. And and, and I learned a lot oh, yeah. of that from him too. Like he uh, he's a really unique character. But um. We write, we'd write weird songs about zombies and love and zombies in love. Yeah, sometimes. Or and zombies and love. Sometimes and love. I don't know. You know, just like a little bit of everything. And now, uh, how are zombies in love? Um, he has a song. <laughs> instead of eating one thing, they eat brains. <laughs> he wrote a song called uh, we, I co-wrote it. It was called Bruce Campbell's Tunnel of Love. Okay. And then we had a song called George Romero's. Um, I forget what it was called, but it was like another kind of like zombie love song uh we had we had a bunch of them it was really fun i mean i i think you were ahead of your time i mean who's not in love with a zombie these days <laughs> yeah right but yeah we did that until it you know it just stopped hmm. being what it was and from there i i've I played in a couple bands since then mm-hmm. um my solo thing kind of took off and that's when i started playing like uh in the cities a little more things like that um I in released... the cities do you mean like altoona or like city cities Ah, uh, Philly, yeah. Philly, Harrisburg, Pittsburgh, nice, uh, Jersey, like stuff like that. Nice. Know? And what I find hard about that is like when you're you're kind of unknown and very naive. Like I would, I would take these shows based on like I just want to make enough money to get from point A to point B. You know, I didn't have that much money back then, so I would do these shows with the promise, you know, that you know I get paid. And sometimes I would drive down to Philly. I tell people this story sometimes. I, I was promised like 300 bucks. I'm like, cool, I'll have a place to sleep. So I had like $20 to my name. I I just got to Philly. I got paid in chicken fingers and I had no way to go home. <gasps> what did you do then? <laughs> I, uh, I bust on the street and I made some money and then I, then I got home. So how long did it take you to make enough money to get home? Just a couple hours, luckily, but thank yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> but I, uh, yeah, I've had situations like that where you just sleep in your car in like a parking lot, you know, but that, that part's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Especially if you're like a shady part of the city and you hear funny things and stuff. It's kind of like scary, but it's fun too. 
Well, me, I just live in my home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, during COVID, I got these two crackhead neighbors. Well, the one is bath salts. The other's crackhead. Yeah. Crack meth. Crack meth head. So they, uh, it was in the middle of COVID. Tensions were running high. Everybody's all upset. And we, I didn't leave anywhere. I didn't go anywhere because it was back in the, oh, God, what is this? So I'm sitting in my front bedroom here, my front guest room. And then a neighbor start fighting them. One girl, I guess because the one lady accused the one girl of being a hussy and that she had slept with her husband. And so somebody was smoking a cigarette, flicked a cigarette in somebody else's face. I forget because I was like blazed on Miller, cans of Miller Lite at that time. I drank a lot more than I do now. Even though I'm having one, the dog stressed me out. So anyway, um, I'm not on any sort of mood stabilizer. So just let me have this. Let me have this. You deserve it. I did. <laughs> Treat yourself. But anyway, I intended on only having this whenever I ate dinner, but you know what? Close enough. Um, so she flicked a cigarette in her face, and what was that quote from Tiger King? That Carol Baskins, you, fuck, you fucking bitch. Now I gotta put an expletive, like, oh, we swear on this now. Anyway. <laughs> Carol Baskin, then she was calling the neighbor, the one neighbor, Carol Baskin, and the police showed up, and they were both going crazy, and they didn't know what to do. And the one cop said, all right, I've had enough. That's cool. You go in your house. You go in your house. I've had it with both of you. That's like Front Row Springer episode. Oh, my God. It was awesome. amazing. I always get excited when there's some crazy thing going on. And there's one time their dog jumped out of the window, broke the windows, jumped out on the roof, and they're chasing the dog around the roof. It's... Hospital sheets up here, like, in the middle of the night's really fun. We call it UFO sheets. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get there. It's, uh, it's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> so, okay, like, what did, well, you said something about the frat houses whenever you, like, what, speaking of crazy stories, I'm sure you have enough of those. Yeah. We, Whichever you feel like sharing. All right, so <sighs> this one, okay, this one's a little weird. Um, This one got weird. Okay, so I'm not going to name this frat house. We turned them in and they got in trouble. I think they got in trouble, hopefully. But um, we played this frat house, and it was just you know a bunch of jock bros. Penn State frats get in trouble all the time. I really yeah. don't, I don't have much respect for them. The soror- some of the sororities are really nice though. Like they do a lot of charities. Frat yeah. houses are pretty much douchebags though. But um, we were playing this frat house. Uh, we opened for like a uh, a ska band. It was pretty fun. There were some other bands that played. There was this like downstairs area. And I'm the guy that'll explore areas I'm not supposed to explore. Like, especially if they tell you specifically not Don't to go, go in to there. a certain area. <gasps> so I can only imagine what you found. <laughs> oh, boy. It was like me and an ex-girlfriend and, uh, oh, I forget who else, uh, a couple friends. We, we, we snuck down the stairs and we found the weirdest room ever. So it had like this like horror movie looking public bathroom, but it had like TVs all over the floor. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't know what that's about. Maybe it's just like for looks is it is it like is it like a a ghetto adult world i don't know it might have been i didn't see any holes in the stalls or anything that would have been like really weird but it got weird it got really weird so there was like this this, is already weird this is like a fever dream already (laughs) there was three mattresses on the floor (gasps) dirty mattresses there was a shopping cart that had articles of clothing like all through it i think there were serial killers to be honest with you uh there was a stripper pole I don't even... I think that might have been it. Well, we did find... Is it in the basement? This was, like, in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Jesse found blood in the upstairs bathroom, like, scattered on the wall. So, <gasps> I don't know. Ew! Is that a frat house or the edge of civilization? <laughs> or post-apocalyptic zombie it house? It like, a Bruce Campbell's version of frat house, I guess. Holy crap, know. then what? I got really weird. We actually made a song about it called The Jerk, me and Jesse. Um... 
making fun of the frat and like how scummy they were because they uh they were like being weird to like the women all night oh that's what they always do guess what spoiler alert they never grow up i how much of a tell-all do i make this i dated a guy who was in his phd and he said he he doesn't give a crap about me. He didn't care about me when we were dating. He's not going to take the time to listen to this podcast. Joke's going to be on me. This will be the time he takes the time to listen to my podcast. <laughs> um, he didn't back then. Why would I think he would now? Anyway, so he was in Alpha Cairo. Hey, Papa's collar. <laughs> Salmon shorts. Here's the deal. <laughs> he wasn't really in the frat. He was a friend of the frat. He never pledged. So I dated a fake frat boy. Minor leagues. Dude, you should have seen these guys. They were like the dorkiest, and they still showed up like acting like the frat was still a thing, but they were disenfranchised like seven years ago. That's because to, 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 to haze people to get them to start, they would force the guys to like clean the floors on their hands and knees, and they'd be all demeaning <laughs> to them. I'm like, I thought frats did way worse things than this, but that was the one. I guess they pissed off the wrong person. But- so they're going to be like balding in the middle of their head and still have visors on playing flip cup in their 40s. That's what they did. That's what, that's what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, I know what they're about. Yeah. That's what they were doing. So you guys were making fun of the frat guys? I, I didn't know. I can make fun of frat guys all day. I was making fun, I was making fun of them. Friends. I was making fun of them while I was performing. I don't care. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, I didn't know, because I don't know this dynamic. Is it like do punk and frat guys? Because like, frat guys are all just kind of assholes, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much. They're all trust I don't fun. know why they booked a punk show in the first place. Why would, I think why it was did, supposed to be for like some charity or something. Did this but. happen a lot? We played a couple frats. Um, there is a there was a cool frat in State College. It was like an environmental frat. It was called Houseosaurus, and those parties got really wild. Um, you might I don't know if you want to edit this one. It's gonna be kind of weird. But uh, sorry. All right. We're so, here now. <laughs> all right. So there's a lot of layers to this story. Okay? Oh boy. So there's a place Good called Houseosaurus. They had they would have a rave upstairs. So they would pack. I don't know how they pack so many people in this house. They'd have like a rave upstairs and downstairs. They'd have like punk bands play. Okay. And uh, so me and Jesse were like the opening act of uh, a bunch of bands that were playing that night. And we had this friend that we called him Salty Tom. And we called him Salty Is Tom. Is he a pirate? No, this was back in the bath salt days, okay? Like when that. <laughs> like you... my neighbor? <laughs> yeah, like your neighbor. So we called him Salty Tom, and it wasn't very nice to call him that. Because this guy, this guy lost 100 pounds on just pure bath salts and rage. <laughs> and he disappeared, and I don't know what happened to him. I haven't Wait, don't him tell like people that. That's going to be the next. What is that What is that diabetes drug that everybody's taking to lose weight? Oh, I weight? forget. I hear it on, like, pods all the time. Oh, damn it. I can't remember Let right now. Let me know if you hear about it. I'm going to, like, get some. <laughs> I don't advocate that. Uh, Joe Rogan doesn't advocate that. He doesn't like fat people. I like to. I like you're to. not even. You're not. No, you're not. I still got the chunks. A little bit. That's what Italians always do. We always go up to like chunk and then we back off. Then we reevaluate our life choices, cut back a little on the pasta, and then we go back. It's hard to back off. We fluctuate. If you look at any pictures of of people with like Mediterranean heritage, you get real close to fat, but you never quite go over to obese. Now some people do. I'm liking the Sopranos. The trimester of fat, though. I can't tell you what to do on that one. I don't. Bath salts. Food baby ain't coming. That's it. That's it. That's it. So okay. Salty Tom. Salty Tom. He was raging that night. Uh-oh. And Is this after was, bath salts? Uh, he must have took a lot of bath salts. He was raging that night. I, he was pacing back and forth. He was sweating. He was going crazy. And 
me and Jesse, we would sometimes do some funny things like on stage. It was part of our act. And we'd smash guitars full of confetti. Like it was, you know, we'd do yes! funny things like that. Yes, you guys sent me those videos. Yeah, yeah. Well, on this particular night, we took a pinata and we stuffed it with candy. But then we stuffed it with like condoms that we took out of the package and put lotion in them. <laughs> That's funny. It's gross. That's funny. <laughs> we were in our 20s, you know. And Salty Tom didn't let us throw it into the crowd. As soon as we grabbed it and we were going to toss it, Salty Tom went into a whole full bath salt rage. And he slammed it against the wall and he started punching it. And it just like blew up everywhere. And it, it scared a lot of people. So. <laughs> Did he like attack it like a cat that went after some kind of like... I imagine when cats are just mad at some random thing and they go midair and just... Nah! I'm imagining he did that. Yeah, he attacked it like the previews of like Cocaine Bear. Oh, that's amazing. There's no way I'm taking this out of the podcast. <laughs> Even was... if you ask me to, there's no way I'm taking this out. He was a bath salt bear. Is he okay now? I don't know. Someone told me he's dead. I hope he's not. I hope you're doing okay, Tom. You were a really good cook. He was He was actually a cook at Penn State. You probably ate some of his food. Where did he cook at? I'm not sure. I don't remember. I remember he used to cook there, though. May his memory be a blessing. <laughs> he might sprinkle Yit a little Yit seasoning Yit on his food. I don't know. Did oh you ever my. have extra energy after a meal there? Oh, that might have been where my rage night came from. My rage fits. Rage Salty fits. Tom. Oh, no. See, that's the thing, okay, with that TV show, The Bear, how they have the good-looking cook guy on there. I'm like, no cook, no line cook ever looks like that. His they, hair's perfect, too. That's what annoys me about shows. What's with the perfect hair all the time? I that dude's know. hair is perfect. Right He's now, sh- I look like a dead rat. Just, like, had a hippie phase with my hair today. You know what I mean? Tasmanian tiger. Exactly. Like, some days my hair's like on fleek. Today is not that day because it fucking rained. So I'm a little unhinged on this today. This seems to be the vibe for me. Everybody, all the astrology people, even Jesse, are like, it's the Mercury retrograde. I'm like, oh, so I just get crazier. I love that. Love that for me. Your sign is a meteorite. I don't know what to do with that information. I don't know either. I don't know much about signs, but it just felt like it Too was bad like we don't have Jesse here. Oh, I oh, feel he like. Would, he would go off. He knows, he knows all about that stuff. So. We need to make this happen again, and we need to have Jesse. <laughs> That'd be nothing but pure mayhem. He'd actually know all the extra details about some of these stories. He said he could see my Libra moon whenever I'm out working the crowd. He's like, I could see the Leo. He's like, you you are about you. He's like, but you're not like me, 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 me. He's like, you go out and you work the crowd, and then if anybody tries to tries to challenge you, you get all Taurus on them because my ascendant is Taurus. So apparently that means I'm really stubborn. I don't know what to do with that information. I'm born in March. Someone told me I'm an Aries. What does that do? Um, Does that mean I'm happy or raging? No, that means you're, you know how rams are? They're kind of just like hopping from... They, well, I think rams, like, I think. Like, yeah, but they're like, and they're hopping from boulder to boulder. Hopping from boulder. I'm and like, workhorses like, no, like nomadic. to work. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I'm not quite white enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm very close, but I'm not quite, I like, you know. Anyway, Damn Salty whites. Tom. Sorry. Ah! <laughs> Cut that out. No. <laughs> so many things happening on this podcast. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So you had Salty Tom. Um, No, I mean, speaking of whites, though, frat guys. Holy crap. Trust fun babies. Ooh, that is right. Ro- and you know what? They just never grow up, though. They don't. Yeah, so we used to... The- you ever hear of the brewery? Did you go to the brewery at all down uh, when you went to Penn State? Which one? 
it was just called the brewery. It's like a dive bar. It's next to like Canyon Pizza. Uh, they actually might like uh, I fu- shut it down now because of eminent domain and like they're trying to fight it right I now. I think we were going to go in there, but then they were doing that line leap bullshit. And then we were just like, now nah, we're just going to yeah. go back and get trashed at the house. So that was my introduction to like booking shows. That was okay. like one of the first places I booked shows. The, this guy named Greg, um, he was like... He was like this guy that would be in the scene and he'd have these awesome bands and then he would disappear for long periods of time and he'd come back and like kind of just go where he left off, you know, the last time. And he was a really interesting guy, but he would like go crazy sometimes and fight everybody. Oh, it sounds like me. <laughs> he's a good dude. He's sounds really, like me. He's so smart too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's he was kind of like the uh, older male version of you in some ways, you know what I mean? I'll fight anyone. I'll fight anyone in this club. I know you will. <laughs> but uh, he, he gave me his his like booking dates for like to book we called it donkey donkey shows thursdays or something we gave it like some weird name that's so funny <laughs> and uh but what was weird about like the whole frat thing with that is so we would get like the punk cool. kids it got weird already with frat <laughs> we would get the punk kids and then we would get like penn state wrestlers and we would get frat kids so like you know there'd be fights so like every once in a so while, so are they like warring groups? There'd be hell of a rumble. Like it was sometimes like West Side Story, you know. It was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. But those nights <laughs> were cool. Amazing. I mean, the brewery's awesome. I hope they keep it. I is hope... that is that still in limbo right now? I think or... so. Yeah, yeah. The brewery, Music Mart, and uh, Canyon Pizza. Um, yeah. I love Canyon Pizza. I know they might. Eminent Domain might like expand their parking garage. You know, so which is pretty lame because. Uh, yeah, right? Exactly. So, if bad if part of America. Sign the petitions and go up there and riot and stuff. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no. I was very I was very boring. I was studying by the time all this I was in school and being a giant nerd. My books don't give it away or anything like that. The piano doesn't give it away. I was very much on the nerd side of things. So, it's very fun living vicariously through you in this time capsule. Um like so okay so that was the state college area where was how was the Altoona scene so you had Jagged Street where was the other um punk those, pockets those would just pop up um <coughs> so McGarvey's always had some really like cool punk bands and it took a while to get into that um I I finally like saw some bands there and became friends with them and they, they started giving me uh shows there so nice. yeah and I'll always respect uh McGarvey's and what Richard McGarvey does there it's 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 an awesome scene I wish there was some more scenes um for a while, they had a, they had a, a spot where the old strip club was. The, I, I forget what they called it, the Tin Cup. That was what the strip club was called, I think. But uh, they had like they would put on DIY shows after that place closed. I can't remember. Yeah, so it was it was they had some cool bands play there. Like I opened for the Parasites there and stuff. Um, but yeah, I wish there was more stuff uh, in Altoona. I'm probably like missing some of the. It's better There's than probably it, a venue around here that's doing it right now, and I just, like, I'm too old now to, to know. It's better than it used to be. I don't know. I think, like, yeah. I mean, the breweries that are cropping up here like crazy, they're spreading like wildfire. There's a new one coming in where uh, the Iron Pint used to be. It's Wild Brewing Company. They're cool because they had a Belgian triple, and they gave me a compliment on me getting a Belgian triple at the um, Rails and Ales. Overall, a good experience. We're not getting into it. It's too soon. Um, too soon Uh, but it was good and they they were like oh yeah I said what is it is it triple or triple they were like well if you're if you're from Belgium it's triple and they said so we're just gonna let you say triple I'm like yes my students from Belgium so proud 
because I said triple. So, um, then they have, I guess, is there some, I, I've heard rumors there's a new brewery that's connected with Mama Randazza's that's opening down in Juniata. Yeah, there's like all really these cool. different places, but I'm not really sure that those places are a punk scene. Well, I'm kind of just starting to get more into like, I run the open mic at Juniata Brewing mm-hmm. Company, but I'm like kind of getting into like all the other open mics that are going on. I like to like go down and support. Yeah, and, like, like where watch. did they, did open mics used to be as much of a no, thing when we were no, younger? I, well, they, you mean, yeah, there was a couple, but now there's like, you can probably go to an open mic every week. And I think oh, that's yeah. really cool, especially for new artists that are trying to like hone their craft and stuff like that. And I'll tell you right now, I've never seen so many talented people. Like there's always been talent in this area, but. There's so many now. There's there is like a ton of. We like, need another plague. It gives people time to learn something. <laughs> it must have. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah, like uh, the the one we went to last week. Um, where was that at? Not Roaring Spring. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That one was really cool. Uh, they had this guy named Nate. I think he finished the the evening. Yeah. And yeah, that kid Nathan, blew me away. Nathan Glunt. Yeah, he was really good. And there's, oh, there's he's this, good. There was this older hippie lady. Sally. And she was really awesome, too. I wanted to talk to her. I bet she has some really cool stories. But, yeah, I just love meeting new musicians, booking new musicians, talking to new, like, musicians and stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to be, like, punk stuff. Mm-hmm. In fact, myself, I'm, like, kind of branching out of that a little bit now. Like, I've always been, like I said, if you go all the way back to the whole me listening to Fats Domino, like, I love Otis Redding and Sam Cooke and Mavis Staples is my favorite musician of all time. Like soul music's where, where my heart wants to be, but punk rock's kind of where it is, you know. Um, you know, I just love music. Exactly. I'm a nerd. Yeah. Well, I'm a nerd too. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that that was a whole different part of my life that I wasn't involved in, but I don't know. There was always a little bit of a punk vibe that was hiding within me. Like, yeah, who the hell are you? Fuck you. What? Who? who? That's kind of a very punk, right? Like, well, like I was saying, like, like, like who the fuck are you to tell me what to do? Your like, comic, your your comedy act is very like <laughs> punk rock. Patty Smith, take no, take no prisoners. Just straight right at your face. It's not raunchy. I it's don't. It's not raunchy. There's, I don't lean know, into raunchy. It some... doesn't have to be raunchy. In fact, it's like it's it's more shocking than raunchy sometimes because it's gonna like when you were when you were at the open mic last week there was a couple of times when i was like oh, or you can even see it in the video like i'm like oh man, yeah with the, the, yeah they were like the it's surprise like pikachu there. yeah some of the people like turned away like i was like that's lenny bruce <laughs> you know i love that yeah that's that's, that's awesome. me off stage too though and it's it, yeah that's it, very true yeah yeah like uh it's cool like um you know like i don't i don't I don't believe in cancel culture. I, I do believe in accountability. That I, mean, I yeah. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, as long as you, whatever art you artistry that you're part of is not there to oppress other people. Yes. I mean, I'm on board for anything. So, like, jokes can be really, really, really funny, and in, in, in a way, sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes like over the top and crazy, but not, and they can be offensive per se but as long as they're not hurting anybody then just do it you know it does hurt they the jokes will hurt people a little bit my thing is i think you got to make sure it's a worthy target absolutely yeah. that's my thing i do i am absolutely combative and targeting in my comedy (laughs) i guess maybe i could talk a little bit about my comedy stuff and why i feel like i vibe with the punk vibe because that's not and you know we were talking about collaborating on a song for our show this weekend with you 
and me and Jesse. Yeah, yeah. So Kevin can't dance. Annette Margaret. I'm going by Margaret because if for some reason I would get married again, I do believe in taking a last a guy's last name because I'm sick of my last name rhyming with bagel. Can I call you Marge? That's fine. What? Why though? That's my middle name. Marge. Ma- actually, the Yiddish um, diminutive form of my middle name would be Mitzi. Mitzi Marge. Mitzi Marge. Ah, Mitzi Marge. <laughs> That's such a Golden Girls name. Oh my you. God, Mitzi Marge. I I do act like an old lady. People I, are always two things. People are surprised when they meet me if they only see my name. They're surprised that one, I'm not an old lady. Uh, two, they they're surprised I'm not a black woman. There, people meet me. They're like, "But you have a black girl's name." <laughs> I'm like, "I don't." What is that noise? It's not dogs. Is it my washer? It's fine. Brain man, I gotta count my books. What am I gonna do? That's a lot of books. I. People are always surprised. Like, I speak six languages. Play the pipe organ. I play piano. I sing opera, and they expect me to be normal. Annette, why are you not well-adjusted? Well, can you speak Arabic? Can you speak Mandarin? Can you speak Hebrew? Can you speak Italian? Do you play three instruments? No. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Let me be crazy. That's another thing I really... I that's something. you do half of that stuff. No, you don't, because then all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> what's that noise? <laughs> like, no. Like, it's nicer to be just well-adjusted and somewhat normal. I think there's chaos in, like, every artist's life. Like, I'm, like, yeah. a germaphobe OCD, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, everything in my house has to be just so... I'm not too crazy about it, but there's like little pockets of chaos you can probably see. And you're an artist. You, you paint too. Yep. Uh, he's talking about this. <laughs> Sorry. Made you get up. It's okay. <laughs> I committed to finish this painting I never have yet. It looks pretty. Thank you. It's called, it's called uh, Blue Mountains. Because the Blue Mountain Ridge is not far from here, so... I need to finish this part with the clouds and you know what maybe today i'll start to do some of that it needs to be finished i need to commit better to finishing paintings i want to live on a house in that painting with all my pugs hell yeah um but i i feel like the punk movement and i feel like it would just make sense that i get along super well with the punk movement because it has a lot of like down-to-earthness about it like how much of the like history of the oh, I'm sure I'm asking you a stupid question right now but the history of the punk movement how would you explain that to people and it was kind of, it was like in the UK right well it's it's crazy cuz before punk there was like this thing called proto punk and it was like the 60s garage bands that in the USA just, or was that still it was a little bit of both actually a little bit yeah, of both yeah um so you had you had like some of those 60s uh there was a band called the real boys and uh question mark and the mysterians um the, the zombies, a lot of those bands that kind of came out of the woodwork in the, the early to mid-60s, they um, they were kind of like garagey bands, and uh, it was heavily distorted, um, and it was some of this, when they played live, it was a lot faster paced, so I'm trying to think of this one band, um, the Rivieras, okay, so the story is that either one of the members of the Ramones or one of the, um, one, of, one of their cousins or friends like we're, we're just talking about this band the Rivieras and they were spinning one of the Rivieras albums um that had the song Wild Weekend on it if you listen to the song Wild Weekend it actually sounds like a slowed version of Blitzkrieg Bop it goes so so 
I feel like Johnny Ramone like was sitting in a garage and just played it as fast as he could, and he was like, "All right, this is what we're gonna do." This is this is the yeah. vibe now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, proto punk, and then all the proto punks. Like, there's one thing about me is like I'm huge into history, so that's why I was like, I know he's gonna know this. <laughs> I so I'm just go. gonna let him go. Like, here's the way I see it. Like, so, I open so, the gate though. Yeah, yeah. Horse runs out. So yeah, it's like a it's it, you know it's like a it's like a tree stump, and it all branches out. Like it, you know, jazz. Jazz has a lot to do with punk, you know, all of it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you had proto-punk, and before that, you had rockability. Before that, you had, like, you know, the beginnings of, like, soul music, blues music. Uh, yeah, I know. would imagine that would be connected. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, it just keeps going further and further back. In fact, you can pretty much trace rock and roll to one place in the world, and it was the Dockery Plantation, and that would have been in the 1910s to the 1930s. It's where all these sharecroppers lived. So you had, like, Charlie Patton, you had, like, Robert Johnson, Sun House, Lead Belly, all living in this thousand acre uh, farm. They all had like little houses, you know, sharecropping. It, it was, and that's um, kind of like a, a hook in with the blues, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it was, it was an unfair thing during the Jim Crow era. Mm -hmm. um, you know, years after Reconstruction, where they were like, "Oh, you can, you can own this land after you work it and give us some of the crop for and, and that's, so that's, many years." And they were never able yeah. to get out of that debt. No. So these people would work like sixteen hours a day most of the time. Uh. They, were, they were drinking a lot, you know. But they had all these shacks on the outer skirts of the Dockerty Plantation, and they call them juke joints. So when they got off work, they would just party all night and can play, you blame them? Play music, yeah, exactly. And some and like. You know, like the song Black Betty from the 70s? Oh, yeah. That's originally a Lead Belly song. You know the song Midnight Special? Yeah. That's a Lead Belly song. Like, I, I, you know the song House of the Rising Sun? Yeah. That's a Lead Belly song. <laughs> like, I love that song, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that song. You know what that song's about? It's about a syphilis outbreak in a, in a brothel. <laughs> you know, one of my bits is it's all fun and games until your face melts off. Yeah. Like, I've seen Out of Africa. <laughs> People wonder why I'm so, like, boring, why I don't want to go out with a bunch of guys. I'm like, syphilis is a thing, you know, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that to you specifically. I'm just, like, looking at you as a person. Syph. He doesn't have the sif. Ladies, <laughs> he doesn't have the sif. He doesn't have the sif. I don't have his number, but I know his Facebook. So if you like this nice hunk of Italian meat right here, could be yours if you're good enough. You have to go through me first. I'm trying to auction me off here, shit. <laughs> No, I want you no, to have no. a nice girlfriend that I could be friends with. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> must love pugs. Must must love pugs. And what's not to love about pugs? And wait, show everybody your. That's my Gertie. Your Gertie. She has to vet anyone I ever date. So if she doesn't like you, then she doesn't whatever. like you. You're S O L. Pretty much. No, but syphilis is nothing, dude. It's scary. I looked. I think we were talking about this. I looked up these statistics, and after COVID, everybody was just drinking and fucking. <laughs> That's all everybody was doing. Having those regrettable COVID babies, huh? <laughs> Not only that, some people got worse. Some people got way worse. Having a baby, at least you know eventually it might be able to take care of you someday whenever you're, you're like drooling into a cup and don't remember your own name in the nursing home. What's syphilis going to do for you? Just eat your brain. That's it. Then you get an ugly mustache like Nietzsche. This mustache? See, folks, if you need any... Hold on. Let me find my Nietzsche book. I'm going to convince you that you should go, A, get, if you're a woman, get in touch with a gyno. Who is it? The urologist for you guys? I think so. It's, okay. You need to get hooked in with these people so that someday you don't get the SIF. And got so SIF that, pictures or something in here? <laughs> just, oh. <laughs> and your sister. <laughs> this could be one of my new bits. 
<laughs> and so that your sister doesn't take over for all of your stuff that you've done as a philosopher. If you become a philosopher, I highly doubt most people are smart enough to do that. I'm always a little combative with everyone. I doubt any of you are smart enough to do that because guess what? She's going to let you grow a really hideous mustache and she's going to make that the picture of you that everyone sees, even though you never wore a mustache and you never sat there acting like you knew that you were smart. Look at this poor guy. He never wore the mustache. I don't think you knew that. Nietzsche. I kind of like the mustache. It this poor like guy is gone. from like this. squirrel tail. This is the... He never wore this mustache. He never sat there like that. That poor man... This is syphilis. It was a huge epidemic. Did he have syphilis? Yeah. Oh, okay. This picture was taken while he was in a very active late stage syphilis infection. This podcast went in some really weird directions. <laughs> it's getting dark in here. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you all. Be being a hoe, fine, but like, take some precautions. So, especially you Italian ladies, somebody's gonna let you grow a mustache way too long. Where's my girls from Spain? Where's my girls from Greece? Where's my girls from the Balkans? Where's my girls from Italy? Someone is gonna let you grow your your mustache. Someone's going to take away your lady razor and they're going to take the picture of you and that's going to be the one that's your obituary. Is it worth it? It's all fun and games until your face melts off and you get a mustache. I think a nice handlebar mustache looks nice on a lady. Another reason that you guys should hit this guy up, especially if you're from Spanish heritage, Portuguese. <laughs> he won't judge your mustache. Wake up in the morning, you forgot to take care of the peach fuzz, you're good to go. He won't care. And a really nice lazy eye too. Because I don't know if you're looking at me and you can't judge me then. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You can put that on your... Wait. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's weird as I both of us... <laughs> now, what's the one thing I really liked about um, the punk movement was how... Now, okay. Now, the style of punk, was it that it was a good outlet for, would you say, counterculture or just sort of being like sort of combative with the government? Was it they thought that style was good for that or is that just who they were as people and it just gave a voice to that or does that kind of tie into what you were just talk telling us about i think like some of the the attitude of punk came from some of the like folk singers of the hippie movement or like the the outskirts of the greenwich village movement like um phil oaks he had this song called uh, love me i'm a liberal and it like it kind of made fun of both parties in a way oh i love that yeah, yeah it was almost like a an anarchist theme. Um, I love that. Which I, you know, I'm not like, I don't actually, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about politics. I guess I'm a, kind of a centrist right now. Yeah, I yeah. I can't stand politicians that like are far one way or far the other way and they're just going to like vote on whatever their party oh, is. Oh, American time. politics is just football. Yeah. It's like the elections are just the Super Bowl. I like people that aren't afraid to, cro aren't afraid to cross the lines of, uh, Bipartisan. Yeah, yeah, bipartisan, you know, because they, they actually tell you what they believe in and they do what they believe in. So Right. There's not many really good ones out there right now. There's a lot of scumbag politics. Well, they should all have to be like the uh, – somebody else has said this before. They should have to be like whenever they're racing in NASCAR. They should have to wear the vests with all the different sponsors. All the different <laughs> all their, logos. All their, that all their lobbyists. Yeah, all their <laughs> lobbyists. Then we can see who who is funding yeah. them and why they believe what yeah. they believe. Be just a bunch of – oil companies but that was one thing when i was in college i did a class one of the coolest uh um history professors i had let me just uh it was i can't i think i remember her last name um where's she at you gotta forgive my brain there's just too much i have to keep track of 
but she had this super cool uh, where is she at I think she she's at University of Pittsburgh right now um, but she had this super cool history class and she added like history of punk and the movements of punk where is she at I know she worked dang it her name's gonna come up for me anyway like later darn it can't remember her name right now when you say darn it it does sound like a Marge thing shh where's she it's not Come on, get it together Marge I'm not getting it together right now this is so sad uh, okay I'm not remembering anyone's names right now this is terrible anyway she had this cool class in college and whenever I was in college and it was talking about the punk movement she made that part of it whenever she was talking about um, whenever the IRA and all of that, whenever they were, you know, punk movements were going against what was happening with the monarchy at the time. And punk was a huge part of that. Like they were criticizing everything with the government and Margaret, Thatcher. <laughs> Margaret eggs. They were going after Margaret Thatcher. They were out for blood. Yeah. Um, so that was cool at that time. And then actually I wrote a paper explaining how opera is actually more punk than it actually is for the rich class because Actually, Mozart was punk because the whole Cosi Fantuti, they're making fun of the ruling class and the rich class, which is very punk. He actually wrote some dirty songs. Oh, he did. The one about Lick My Butthole? <laughs> yes! The one. <laughs> he wrote the Lick My Butthole song. He was before his time. He was. Yeah. That would have made a really cool rap song. Somebody's probably already wrote it. Yeah. Um, so my, yeah, I remember watching um, Amadeus with my parents and they didn't like Mozart after that. So they don't like to listen to Mozart anymore. Um, so yeah, he was very much like um, like Johann Sebastian Bach and Mozart. Actually, Beethoven, all these different musicians that had to depend on the ruling class to pay them and employ them to teach their snobby little kids music. They didn't like them because they always wanted to stiff them on pay. They always treated them like servants. So classical musicians were not for the rich. They just paid them. They were actually very punk. So one of my papers in college was arguing how Mozart was actually more punk and not for the bougie. I like that. That's cool. It was fun. I, ne I never knew that, actually, so I'm going to look more into like. Yeah. Oh, every single opera that Mozart puts out, he's making fun of rich people. That's awesome. And he's, not he's, that there's he's anything wrong. it to the rich people and be like, yo, what's up? <laughs> and that happened in the movie Amadeus. Have you yeah. seen the movie? I have, but it's been a long time. Yeah, no. In the one part, he's making fun of the, the rich people, and he's and, and they're all sitting there, and they're like, oh, this is great. I love this. <laughs> in, in the movie, who's the guy he had the feud with? Sa Salieri. Did he really have a feud no. with him? No. Okay, I there thought... was a little yeah, yeah, teeny bit of a rivalry, so but they... that was just for like, uh, the movie like to make extra dramatic. Exactly. So but he really it... didn't work him to death or whatever? Or... He, he, um, I would say that the way that he had to live his life, he, w he did, he was worked to death. That yeah. part was not fake. Um, Costanzi, um, like being a pillar part of his life and like saving his music works. Yes. Cause he did throw it in the fire. We did still lose some of his works, um, from that. And they were just going to get out of there. You know, that he was just going to start to get into some good financial, um, like us musicians, we're terrible with money. It's just, it's something that we just do. We're just not. I'm not. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we load up. I'm okay enough with it. dollars of equipment to, to make $50 at a show. Hey, you know what? Can't take it with you. <laughs> Can't right. take it with That's you. Right. Um, no, I'm kidding. I say that as I ha I'm sitting in a house that I have a mortgage on. I'm not good with money. In the same boat. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, oh. So anyway, that's not true. I, I just have to point that part out. 
Um, I'm, I'm okay with money, better than the average musician. But um, Mozart was actually going to get out of, he was like majorly in debt. He had no money management skills and it was his wife that was helping to get them out of it. Then by the time they were looking like they were going to get crest over that hill, he got really sick and died in his 30s. He was that young. He was that young, I yeah. I know that. So. I need he, to watch that movie again. It's a good one. Mozart, let me see. Yeah, he was. Well, I don't want him to have to math. God damn it, I have to math. But he was um. Very much did not like to have to answer and deal with the ruling class. He was a temperamental musician. Who would have known? That we're like that. I just watched this one movie like last month, and I'm gonna say all the names wrong. Chevalier was a. He was like a composer. He's a he's an African American composer during the reign of Marie Antoinette. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was only twenty six. Wait, Mozart was only twenty six. Did I math this right? Born seventeen fifty six, died seventeen ninety one. That can't be right. It sounds like his thirties. Seventeen ninety one minus seventeen. Was it fifty six? I think so. Oh, oops, I dyslexia that. Thirty five. We mathin' you up in here. With <laughs> the calculator. <laughs> we mathin' yo. Somebody's gonna make fun of me. Continue. Um, do you, do you know that the composer I'm talking about, though? I think. Explain more. Alright, he, uh, he was a person of color during Marie Antoinette's Oh, that's reign. right. He, they actually played, like, pieces, some of his pieces of music survived, so they were actually able to play them during the movie. Um, yeah. They were, they were, like, really wonderful pieces of music. And, uh, slavery came back in France after, uh, during... Chevalier, like, Chevalier. Yeah, yeah, during Napoleon's reign. He brought yeah. slavery back uh, for a short amount of time, so Chevalier, I think he he died soon after Napoleon's reign, maybe? I don't think he lived very old, but he was like a, he was like a child prodigy as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, with violin. Uh, Ooh, he's good looking. I'd swipe right on that if he lived to this day. <laughs> Ooh. Is that that, there's a painting, yeah, a painting of him, and, uh, yeah, Chevalier de Saint-Georges. They have awesome hair back then. The wigs. You could bring that back. Nobody would stop you. I could. Chevalier de Saint-Georges. Yeah, he was... Yeah, he had a pretty short life, too. That movie's really good, so definitely check it out. I, I just saw just it. I Chevalier. Yeah. yeah! He lived a really hard life, um... And Marie Antoinette kind of like, she was getting a lot of, um, a lot of uh, hate because uh, he was like the head composer yeah, uh, for her court and uh, they didn't like him because he was a person of color and she kind of like turned against him and uh, hired somebody else. And then he, uh, he kind of went into despair after <laughs> that, you know. Excuse me. Hmm. But he yeah, he was only 54. Yeah. And he was, he was a really great composer and he would have been... <coughs> He would have been remembered uh, as much as the rest of them if it weren't for uh, the prejudice of the time. Oh. Sorry, I'm going down a... Yeah, he had some kind of necrosis? Ooh. Is that like he had rot a secret rotting while you're still alive or something? Yeah, felt the onset of a disease of the bladder and given his usual negligence... Dang! Paid it little attention. 
He even kept secret an ulcer, a source of his illness, and gangrene set in. Sounds like a bad way to go. For some time he had been tormented by a violent fever. His vigorous nature had repeatedly fought off this cruel illness. But after a month of suffering, the end came on the 21st of June at 5 o'clock in the evening. Oh, goodness. But, man, I don't, he was, I didn't realize there was a movie about him. Yeah, it either came out this year or the year before. It was Ooh, I'll have to check it out. Movie. That's awesome. I'm always big into, like, the the music biography movies. But oh, yeah. I like, I, like, pick them apart. Like, especially if it's ones that, like, I know, like, about, oh, yeah. about the artist. Because they always, like, either oh, add something no. or take something out, you know? That happened to me with Amadeus because he actually got married in St. Stephen's Cathedral. But you can't film anything in St. Stephen's Cathedral. Why is that? Uh, it's some, like, rule about the Catholic Church is a sacred uh, space. Um, so in the scene in Amadeus where him and Costanzi get married, that's not actually where they got married. Oh, really? They actually got married in St. Stephen's Cathedral. And humble brag, I was in there with my college. We sang in St. Stephen's Cathedral. That's pretty awesome. I know, right? I'm like, I'm hanging out in the same place where Mozart stood. Did you film in there? Did you take a picture or video? I got pictures in there. Oh. But you're not supposed to do, like, large-scale filming, I guess. I would have snuck a GoPro in there. Yeah, right. But I did get pictures in there. That's really cool. Where are they at? Um, now, where's that at? Is that... Austria, Austria. In Vienna. Oh, okay, cool. So that was a fun trip. Uh, where's that at? Continue. So you... Um, you performed at Carnegie Hall, correct? Mm -hmm. Not solo. I was with my choir. Tell me what that was like. Oh, man, I just took over his nose. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. A, a gnat <laughs> just, was in just, my face. I just really wanted, like... No, you're good. I just really want to know about that because that's, you know, I don't know anyone who's performing. Oh, no, but yeah, nobody ever talks to me anymore. Um, it's always me talking to everybody else. Um, it was, it felt surreal. And it was really exciting watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and being like, huh, I was in there too in the scene with Midge and yeah. Bruce and Lenny Bruce in there. I was like, oh, I was in there too. For me, I, I just... uh. It felt surreal, and it's definitely something like at the end of my life, hopefully I don't have Alzheimer's. I don't think I will, um, as far as I know. Um, but it's one of those things that I'll just always remember for how cool it was. Um, Could you feel the magic on the stage of all the people that have been there all those years? Like, I feel like sometimes like certain things leave auras forever. It, uh, The energy was... It was just... Gosh... I have images of it, but trying to convey it to people, and I got to be like right in the front of the choir because I'm super short, pays to be short, and so just looking out at everybody and just knowing how many great people were there, it was it was it's not an imposter syndrome. I think this I can't believe this is happening. I think a lot of people are calling it imposter syndrome when it's really just surreal. I think that's all it is. Like I don't think it's this. I don't deserve to be here. Like, no, none of that. Everybody, everybody in these, everyone's a little bit of a narcissist. Everybody is a little bit. There's none of this part of you that on some level doesn't think you don't deserve it. Like, no, that's not true. I think a lot of people, it's, I can't believe this is actually happening. I think of is more of what it was for me. And it meant a lot to me back then. Um, Now, like now, I don't, it's weird how time changes you. I'm like, now I think I have a little bit more, like, it's weird when you get in your 30s, you're like, no, you're going to die. So it's like, you know, because I think probably the hangovers hit harder. I think that's why it sinks in for us so quick. 
hangovers, 30s hangovers. I'm glad I went when I was in my early 20s because it was just so much of this transformative life experience. And now there's so many other things I've experienced now. Back at that time, it was the best thing I'd ever accomplished. Uh, actually, the picture's right there. Yep. That's <laughs> and we sang the Mozart Requiem. Yeah. So for me, it was like the pinnacle. And then, but also after we came back and coming back from that, I was like, oh, I've achieved something great. Now what? So it was just like the greatest thing I'd ever done up to that point. It was super cool, but I didn't realize that wasn't so many people's lives are just put in this. This is that big thing. And then you don't think of the rest of the story after that. For me, it's one blip, looking back, it's one blip on the radar, and when that had happened, it was the greatest thing I'd ever done. Because that is the premier place to be for yeah, classical absolutely, music. absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And so many amazing people have, like, been on that stage. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, I think it, it means more to me now to know, like, all the different kind of performers that have been there that are not just classical musicians. I thought of it just in the classical musician realm. Now it's expanded to, wow, I, I shared, I walked on the same place where some of these other amazing people who are not just classical musicians have been. You ever picture yourself going there again, maybe in a couple of years, if uh, maybe uh, your career takes off to that I don't point? know about a couple of years. I'm scared like I'm next, pissing too what, many like people. next week? <laughs> no, I'm scared I'm pissing, no, no, no. I'm scared I'm pissing off. I'm, this is a personal problem, like a journey that I'm having. I, The thing that is actually, I think, endearing me to people is also the thing that I'm losing some people with like just this brutal honesty that I have and not even the asshole honesty like you can spot the asshole honest people right no I'm just being honest just to be a jerk yeah sometimes I'm like really naive and I try to like give every single person in the world a chance even if they're like evil rabid humans why did you look at me like that when you said that I was trying to make like a funny face but it ended up like making it suspicious suspicious you're not evil you're nice Sorry, I'm awkward. I can be a little evil sometimes. No, you're not evil. All women can be a little bit evil. You can't trust something that bleeds for a week and just think it's not Holy a little hint shit. evil. <laughs> Am I wrong? One week out of the month. They just go through that again and again and again. I don't know. Us dudes suck sometimes too, though. Oh, this was the picture from St. Stephen's. Not on the inside. Why is it always given this like crappy, shitty quality? Like, what are... What is life? But this is, it's not such a low quality. I don't know why it's giving the low quality. It's really pretty. Yeah. It's it, it's a better quality than that, but for some reason the Facebook app is like, you only get to see the shitty part of it. So, let's let's exchange stories real quick. Um, so, tell me what your, what was your favorite performance that you've had so far, like, as a... That as I've a, done? That you've done, yeah. Whether it's at Independent or when you were in college or whatever. Probably, probably the Carnegie Hall thing, because that felt... Hall. That, a huge crowd, right? <laughs> that greatness. It's not as big of a crowd as you would think, but just that being that close to that greatness that I... Mm, idolized. Yeah. I think one of the coolest stories about Carnegie Hall is they were looking for Robert Johnson. Alan Lomax was. He was trying to find all these musicians, record them. So he went, to, he went down south to go look for Robert Johnson. Found out he was dead. They had recordings of him. So they wheeled a, um, a record player onto the stage in Carnegie Hall and they just had the, the crowd listen to his, his music. Because he had gotten poisoned by strychnine by a, a, a jealous barkeeper because he was uh, messing with the barkeeper's wife. Yeah. Oh. But, See, folks? Don't <laughs> cheat on your spouse. But that's Dude, what's then so you... special about Carnegie Hall. Like, anybody that's anyone that, you know, yeah. on that stage, you know. Um, 
in particular, my favorite show I've ever done was I, I got lucky. I got to open for a couple of like my favorite musicians ever. Um, he's a big indie musician, but uh, his name's uh, he, he used to go by Andrew Jackson Jihad. He was a, he's like this folk punk musician. Uh, he goes by AJJ now. But I got to open, I got to be a supporting act on one of his shows, and there was, you know, like 500 people in the audience. That, that's a huge deal for me. Like, oh, yeah. Like that, you know what I mean? You know, like, uh, I like, I enjoy playing for, like, 50 people. That's fun. But every once in a while, you get to play for those really, really big crowds. And what the best part about that was, that, like, what changed my life about that show is, like, I had been playing a couple of these songs for a while, and some of these people were singing along, and I was like... Julie Hudson Richards! That was the professor. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I just remembered. I like that name. Shout out to you, Julia. I loved your class. Thank you for introducing me to more punk and the political movements behind it. Continue. Now that's the one that was telling you were talking about how with the punk, the class... history of the punk movement. Yeah, okay. the class yeah, war, yeah, the class okay. struggle with it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Sorry, I. No, you good. I'm glad you remembered. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my uh, the most important show I think I've I've played to date. It's been like eleven years, so I haven't topped that one. Maybe I'll do more. I. Uh... I always wanted to play the Electric Factory. It's called Franklin Music Hall now. Um, nice. Because I've been to so many shows there. I always wanted to. I had a couple chances to, to perform there, but <coughs> it's one of those pay-to-play things. You have to, like, sell, yeah. like, 100 tickets. Yeah. Ain't no one going to be buying 100 tickets to go, like, three hours to see me. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe stay, <laughs> stay optimistic. Maybe one day. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. No, I mean, no. I mean, I think we need your optimism. Me, I was a little bit beaten down, and then I've started getting these little... Like, the open mic things were just me having fun and just something because I would just get kind of jealous and pissed off that other people... Jealousy is a very big motivator for me. In a good way. Like, I don't want to take other people down. I'm like, I could do that. Why the fuck am I not doing that? That's how jealousy motivates me? I feel like... I feel like that maybe the way you're putting it, maybe it isn't, like, jealousy or whatever. Maybe it's, like... Insp- inspiration? Maybe it's like Combative inspiration? inspiration. Uh, yeah, yeah. Aggressive inspiration. Yeah, that's all that. <laughs> I could do that. Why the fuck am I not doing that? Yeah. Because like, I saw people playing at breweries. I'm like, I can do that. So, okay. So, it's not jealousy. It's aggressive inspiration. Yeah, we'll go with that. Because right? if it were jealousy, I would be mad at that person. Yeah, yeah. I, I was never mad at no, those people. No, you're very supportive to everybody yeah. in the scene. And Jesse's the one that told me about you. Um, he, he must have saw you perform at an Poor guy night. saw me, like, I was really mad one day. Because somebody had no, sexually harassed me aggressively. Poor oh, guy. Were you in one of your, uh, porcupine days? Were you, like, porcupine moods <sighs> where you were about ready to... No, house? but I mean, this guy was yeah. telling me about, like, what kind of toys he has at home. And he wanted me to come back to his house. Did I ever tell you that story? This guy just straight up sexually propositioned me. And Jesse offered to buy me a drink that day. And I was in the, like, Jesus mode. Sid from Toy Story. <laughs> Uh, on a serious note, though, that's not, not those that's, kinds of toys. Not those kinds of toys. Cool. I would have, I would have caved his nose in for you. But, yeah. So yeah, Jesse was telling me he's like, well, I wasn't sure if you were like mad at me and thinking I was hitting on you. I offered to buy you a drink. I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Men were the enemy at that point. So anything that any kind of quills you got from Porcupine Boat, <laughs> I am so sorry. Uh, Jesse's like the sweetest dude ever. He has, he always has the best intentions. Yeah. But yeah, he told me about you. He said, oh, you got it. You got it. You got to see this girl. She, she does, like, comedy, and I, and, and I used to put on, like, punk and comedy shows. Half the show's comedians, half the show's, like, punk music. It's a really great time. Um, and he's like, you got to come see this girl. So I signed up for the open mic at Levity, and that's the first yeah, – I didn't even get to see you perform that night. I got to see nope. you perform at my open mic um, the week after. 
And I was I was really blown away to be honest with you because um, I feel like it wasn't my best work though. Yeah, you did great. You you went into the crowd and and like the singing, but the comedy I felt like was top com- notch. The comedy was great and the singing was great. You you went Thanks. into the crowd and like you 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 did this bit about a uh, about like uh, the jiu-jitsu and all if that. If the jiu-jitsu don't work the Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opera will. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Oh my god, that was great. You actually like did opera until we we told you to stop. And you were just like, let it go, let no, it go. I, got, I was about to take out opera glasses and cry. You were you with the little fancy glasses. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've cried at operas. I don't care. I like that stuff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can listen to that all day. Oh, I know. <laughs> but, uh, La Vigero. See, I know. That's amazing. Yep. I can do like, <laughs> I sound like a cat. <laughs> well, the cats get concerned. If I, wait, we could do this. Okay, here. Let's see how long it takes for the cats. So we're going to do something special since you like opera. And we'll see if like a crackhead neighbor shows up. So mute your mic. Hit this button. All right. We'll see how long it takes for a cat to show up. I'll share a little opera with you guys. Anymore. Well, this is the typical cat thing. Yeah. They don't want you, like. You could you could put your mic back. They only come to hang out when uh. Well, they... We don't want them to. <laughs> and I said that's the most notes. cat thing ever. I love it. I like your cats. That's awesome. No, my cats have an attitude Maybe like me. The cats to ruin a bit, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm waiting for them to show up. Or I maybe was hoping they'd like jump over and like. I wonder if I have to sing like maybe. <sighs> maybe you were saying the wrong cat words. Yeah, maybe they like French. I could try German. Yeah. Should we, should we try German? Try okay. German. German All right. doesn't work. Try French. Mute. Mute. I just sang French. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, how's it? Ich habe Oh, Oh, No cat yet. That was loud. So Crackhead neighbor. It's probably just a crackhead. Opera brings out the crackheads. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> crackheads watch opera. I don't know. That'd be better than some people. I feel like crackheads listen to industrial music. Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yeah. I hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. 
All right. I think we've probably offended enough people by this podcast, right? Are you singing about beer and sausage? No. (laughs) No. Um, I have a, I have a gleaming hot knife in my chest. Ich habe ein gleaming Messer. Ein Messer in meiner Brust. Ich habe ein gleaming is gleaming. Yeah. And Messer is knife. That's from Gustav Mahler. Uh, das Lied von. Mercy killing or something? No, no, no. It was um, my fiance dumped me and left me for another man. So I, I'm really upset now. I know, right? It's Mahler. Um, so it's kind of loosely autobiographical based on uh, this beautiful soprano he was with. Don't fuck with them sopranos. They'll screw you over every time. Get with a mezzo instead. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. We're much worse. <laughs> um, so uh, that's what that was about. It's um, So it's a four-song cycle. Um, so it starts with Wenn mein Schatz Hochzeit macht whenever my my sweetheart gets married. And then the next one is, um, uh, it is, ging quit morgen übersfeld. So I go out and I check out the nature and everything's great. And then I remember this bitch fucked me over. The next one is, ich hab... Please tell me those are the words though. No. Oh, okay. In so many ways, yes. And then the other one is, uh, then the other one is, ich hab ein Gliedemesse. Because first he's like, oh, I'm so depressed. Then he's like, everything's great. I'm in denial. Everything's fine. This bitch fucked me over. Then he's like, I'm angry. And then the next one is Dies bei blauen Augen und uh, von meinem Schatz. And that one is basically, at the end of it, he kind of commits suicide through that song cycle. Is that the stabbing part? No, that's not the stabbing part. The oh. stabbing part is the Ich habe ein Messer, that one I was singing and thought my cats were going to show up, but they were just like, nope, there's a man in the house. This never happens. We're not coming around here. So the only man who ever really comes into my house is podcast people and my dad. That's it. In case anybody really needed to know what my love life was like. <laughs> Who cares? Okay. Mine's barren as well. <laughs> Look at my field of fucks. See that they are barren. More than one meaning. <laughs> Besides, my pugs will not allow me to have a lady. Uh-oh. <laughs> They'll get mad and jealous. That's okay. They're allowed to have that. But uh, <laughs> So the last one is Dietz by Blau and Algen. So the two blue eyes of my sweetheart... Have sent me out into the wide world. Die haben mich in die weite Welt geschickt. Uh, da müsste ich haben in nehmen alle lieben Schatz. So she's taken away every joy from me. Then at the end of it, it talks about the Lindenbaum trees, which is linden trees. So they have these cute, like little whirly gig looking leaves that fall down from them. There was this whole German romanticism thing in the 19th century that these guys, they it was just a bunch of young German men were all committing suicide. I don't know, it was some kind of like romantic thing they all thought was the best thing ever to do. So, maybe... That's so emo. It, it was super emo. It, Germans gotta be so weird. They, I know, right? It was the late 19th century <laughs> emo. So, um... Auf der Straße steht ein Lindenbaum, da hab ich... So it's... Da hab ich um ersten Mal geschlafen, geruht. So that was the first place that I felt under that linden tree. That was the first place I had my first big pain. Um, so in case anybody ever wonders why I'm a little bit crazy, I just completely translated a whole German art song, part of a German art song there. Please don't expect me to be like a normal person just because I look normal and I know how to dress myself. It does not mean I'm normal. The glasses, do that give anything away? So at the end, um, he's slowly just like sort of descending into whatever he might have poisoned himself with or whatever way he decided to kill himself. <laughs> and the whole thing even starts with a really slow, like almost... One one beat in music. Dietz bei blauen Augen von meinem Schatz. And it's almost like a funeral march. 
die haben mich in die Weite wird geschickt. And it's just like a slow march. So when I was in my 20s, I was like, oh, it's such a nice like part of the end of the song. And it's just like he accepted his loss. Now that I'm older, I'm like, that guy killed himself. It's like people that use like wedding songs and yeah. like the meaning of them it, like has nothing to do with love or whatever. There's like yeah, like that. which ones? Uh, there's this one song. It's like you're beautiful. You know that? Isn't oh yeah. It, isn't that about suicide or something? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Losers using that as the wedding song. Right. It's like oh, way to read into the lyrics and actually have some understanding of the text. Uh, but yeah, that was fun. Um, so now you know beyond the comedy. Now I also did the opera stuff. And I was accepted to opera school, but it didn't quite work out. And I don't really feel like getting into that. But so um, I still love opera. I still love doing it, but it's hard to make a living with it. It's hard enough to do it with what we do, but it's way harder as an opera singer. I bet you could do J.G. Wentworth commercials. J.G. Wentworth, <laughs> 877 Cash Now. <laughs> That's the top tier one. Somebody sang that and is making a lot of money. So I just need to try for those really awkward law firm <laughs> debt relief commercials. That's my next career goal. I think opera singers are awesome, though. I think that's oh, like, thank like you. what what percentage do you think actually get accepted into something like that? Like, dude, that's that's like the it's really top small. plethora of musicianship, you know. I was part of it. I'm I'm like on the outskirts. I was part of it. It's it's pretty small small fraction. It's like um, you're Mozart and I'm Florence Foster Jenkins. I like her. People though. probably don't know who she is. Oh, no. She had syphilis, too. <laughs> do you know? What do I title this episode? Wait, Adventures in wait, Syphilis? Do you, do you know about her? Yes. Okay. Actually, Th- that she probably, some... do people know for sure? I don't know. They think maybe that's why she was so confident in her music. Florence Foster Jenkins was like this singer in like the 30s, right? 30s yep. 30s and 40s, maybe? Yep. And she, she married some rich guy. Yeah, so she was like a socialite, and uh, she would book herself in these like big performances and she could she couldn't sing like she sounded like a cat. Some of her songs sound kinda cool though. Like it's fine <laughs> that's how she would sing. Yeah. Picture like Axel Rose. <sighs> yes. If, if like he did opera. Yes, that was her That was her no, wait uh case opera Oh she tried to do the Queen of the Night so the De Holoraka. So she would do Wait, she wouldn't even do it that good. Like, that's what she did when she sang the Queen of the Night aria. I was trying to do it badly in her fashion. I was still doing it good. I had to act like, like, we had to get a little bit more wine in me before I could actually do it in the Florence. See, that's what I could say if I sang a song bad. I just did it in the style of Florence Foster Jenkins. It was an interpretive choice. We should do opera karaoke. That would be like, fun. None of us can really oh, do God, I sang you. opera karaoke at 4Ds <laughs> after speed dating. Wait, did you really? I did. Because <laughs> somebody went and outed me. I think the guy I went out with or somebody that was in our group outed me to the lady who uh, was doing the karaoke. And they said, oh, she sings opera. And she's like, Annette, there's someone named Annette who does opera. And so I'm singing like Foy Quesapete in freaking 4Ds. Did it get the crowd rolling? It did. Speaking of rolling, I've done that song. Like Limp Biscuit. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> but but my thing in, in karaoke is I try to do the most depressing song, like that's possible in, in, on their karaoke list. I like to do the weirdest. Like I'll do like the Cure, Boys Don't Cry, and then like people will just stare at me. 
like yeah, that. you just you just completely ruined the mood. <laughs> I do the opera, so I do I ruin the mood in a different way. Everybody's sitting there like, "How am I gonna bang my girlfriend after this song, bitch?" I like to do like crazy pranks at bars and stuff. Like, do you ever put like a song on the jukebox for like thirty minutes straight? Yep. I love doing that. Yep. That makes me so happy. There was someone who who did that. It was some kind of cocaine song. I don't know which one it was, but somebody did that at the one derelict bar I used to always go get trashed in. Me and Jesse. We used to put in like a whole bunch of money for uh, Sarah McLaughlin's <laughs> in the arms of the angels. In the arms, I, I see so a made, sad cat in it. it like it would be like AIDS. Commercials. I'm like, we're gonna depress everyone tonight. This if is we're the not worst. happy, no one can be happy. Oh man! So I'd yeah. be sitting there just trying to drink a beer and then like <laughs> drinking my Miller Lite, and I'm seeing these poor sad cats and the cat carriers. Think of that dog with one ear. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the closest I've ever gotten to a version of Rest Save Our Parks. <laughs> Pure mayhem just happened on this podcast. So, people, if you were expecting something classy, all you got was this. I'm I'm not sorry. Live life with no regrets. I barely know how to match my clothes, so whatever. You're fine. I'm doing my thing. You match that hat and your shirt? I used to wear brown with black. That's like the worst thing Isn't ever. Isn't that what you're doing now? <laughs> Stand. Yeah. Wait, you gotta. Well, it's like kind of like orange, but is this brown or orange? I don't know. I don't Am know. I Are I, you colorblind? I'm doing it right now. I'm wearing brown with black. So <laughs> the reason I learned not to wear brown with black was um, I went to this uh, drag show one time with my friends, and uh, this one performer, he was like, "Honey, you ain't looking right," and told me how to wear clothes right. So I thank you. Sugar Bear. There you go. Yeah. Sugar Bear? It was Sugar Bear that told you that? I'm going to say Sugar Bear, but I feel like it had Sherbert in it. Like something like... Sherbert Bear? Yeah, Sugar Bear seems like such a basic... Like, that's not cool. That's not a creative enough drag name. Drag names are the coolest names ever. By I was way. at a drag show once and a guy started hitting on me and he was saying his his drag was better than my drag. I said, I'm a, I'm just a woman. I put makeup on today He and he was like hitting on me. <gasps> it was Sharon Sherbert. Sharon, like Sharon Sherbert. Sharon Sherbert. That was the name. Oh, I love that name. Wherever you're at, Sharon Sherbert, thanks for telling me how to match my clothes, even though I recently just started not doing it again. I need to meet you again so you can help me with my uh, wardrobe. I appreciate you. I got hit on by a gay man, and I think it bothered him more than it bothered me. I felt, I felt, I felt that secondhand trauma that he just hit on a woman. He was like, no, you're not. He's like, he was like no, you're not. You're not a woman. I was like, I was like, homie, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I know what I am. Like, so I didn't know there's so many different layers to that. Like, I passed off. Like, was my style that good, or do I look a little bit mannish? You don't look mannish, and I would never tell a woman if she did look mannish. There's like a couple rules. You don't look anything close to mannish, just so you know. But I got hit on by a gay guy. Like, he thought that my drag was really. He was like, my drag is better than your drag. Then I. Then he was just like. Then he started going to this weird – my brain, I sort of blocked that out a little bit because then he started hitting on me a little bit. I was like, you do know I'm a woman, right? Because he was like, you know what? I need, I need to have your number so I can tell you how to dress better. And I was like – Maybe it was Sharon Sherbert. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing the – this is nothing against that. What this was, is just a story. Drag, like, I wonder what my drag name would be. Do you think I could pull it off? I'd have to shave a lot. Do I have feminine features? A little bit. Who could I look like? Like, cause usually it's like based on a celebrity. You could look like who's that one, Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer. <laughs> it's all about that base. I got some base. I got a big butt. 
No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Um, yeah, I could do. I could do. I could do Megan Trainer. Yeah. I think. I don't know. How did we get? I was thinking like Ariana Grande. I'd have to lose a lot you of weight. You could. I'd have to lose a lot of weight, but I have this skin complexion. You know, the little. I'm Italian, oh, but a little bit Latino. You'd have to do the. You'd have to do the hair. Yeah, she's she's yeah. just Italian. Oh, she, she's just Italian. Yeah, she's just Italian. Oh, why, why did I think she was Latina? Grande. Grande. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. She's Italian. What's her? I, I think that's enough, a stage. I don't know name. enough Italian musicians and performers. Wait, let me look. Angelo Bucciolelli. Bucinelli. Who's that? Andrea guy? Bocelli. Yeah, is he's the the blind. Performer? I don't think Ariana Grande is her actual name. Oh, okay. Ariana Grande Botera. That makes sense. Yeah, she's just Italian, I think. I think. I looked this up before because I thought she was Latina too. She kind of has that look, like I don't know. <laughs> Grande is of Italian descent and has described herself as Italian American with Sicilian and Abruzzese Abruzzese roots. Yeah, that's it. Abruzzese. Yeah. Yep, she's Italian. So that's that'll be your. So you could be what? Kevo Grande? (laughs) Chalupa Grande. I'm sorry. Grande, I always wondered, I'm like, when is my Protect Our Parks <laughs> episode? When is my Protect Our Parks? And we haven't, even, I've only, I've only had wine, and it hasn't even given me a buzz at all. It just made me not mad at my neighbors having a fight club for dogs. I had a Red Bull. Yeah. Sometimes well. I drink those, and I can go in the parking lot. Like, I feel like I can lift up cars. <laughs> That's what caffeine does to me. That's like a frat boy at the, the tailgates up at Penn State. <sighs> I love the frat boy, like, tough guy competitions at tailgates. I've been to a couple of those. Like, it's funny watching them chugging beers, popping collars. We need to go to a tailgate, but I need to not be dating a fake frat boy. I feel like we would have fun just watching. That would be funny. So, I like, you, do you like to people watch? I love people watching. I do, too. Nobody would notice me because I'd have clothes on. I like to go, with, I like to, go to bars and clubs and stuff and, like, sit in the corner with a friend and we'll do like a play-by-play announcement. We already said you, me, and Jesse were going to do yeah, that at some yeah. point somewhere. Yeah, so we would like, me and Jesse would like, we call it the Crow's Nest. It's this like spot in this bar called Memories in Huntington and we'll like sit up there and we'll like do a play-by-play of what's going on and we love watching like people get rejected or the up the opposite, like they finally win, like they're going home, you know, with their buddies or newfound wives, I don't know. Could but be. but yeah, we'll, you know, we'll do it like like old school Madden style too. You know, we'll be like, oh, here comes number three. He's got two drinks in his hand. Oh, I just burped. Sorry, but defense, that's really funny. The defense ain't taking the drink. He <laughs> dropped the drink. He looks really disappointed. He looks at the ground. He looks at his phone. He looks at the ground. He is out of the bar. Not that's a touchdown. That's what we call fumble. <laughs> Now you guys have an idea of what our future plans are. <laughs> what are we, it's people watching, not bird watching. I was about to say bird watching. I'm like, they're not birds, they're people. So. Yeah. But you can't do it like too hardcore. People are going to think you're like... Ted Bundy? Ted Bundy. <laughs> That's <a> lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think on that note, I think it's time for me to go make some food. <laughs> And not have us get in trouble because we've already done enough of our own version of Protect Our Parks, apparently. It's Protect Our Punks! Wait, what's a punk symbol? hand symbol? 
Do you guys have one? I don't know. I just do this. Okay. It's really awkward, but it's how I do it. If I call this protect our punks, how many people would hate me? No one's going to hate you. No one can hate There you. are some people who hate me. You know this. They hate you because they ain't you. <laughs> well, thank you, Kevo Can't Dance. And we have a show, a combined show this weekend at Juniata Brewing Company. So, Kevo Can't Dance, Jesse and the Ghost, and Annette Margaret. Because I'm hoping maybe someday I won't have a last name that rhymes with bagel. And even if I don't, when I'm an old lady, Annette Margaret still works. An old spinster. That's an old spinster name. Spinster Marge. Spinster Marge! <laughs> Everybody welcome to the stage, <laughs> old Marge. You come out in a walker. Yeah. With little tennis balls on the bottom of it. That'd be rad. <laughs> well thank you. I appreciate it. You appreciate guys better we better see you Saturday if you're listening. I don't know who's listening. Maybe thankfully for us, nobody was listening. <laughs> see you at the show, come rage. Yep, come rage. Some the rest of you are gonna rage all night. Me, I'm probably done by like eleven thirty. Thank you guys and thank you. Thank you. All right. Catch you guys later. <laughs> we do the thumbs up. <laughs>